When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Good morning to you all listening, tuning in to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We've got a great show. There's lots happening around the world. Big, big news. And wow, it was the news everyone was expecting with Tom Brady. But wow, what a career. Seven Super Bowls for the man. 624 touchdown MVP five times. Just a career that anyone, for someone... You don't need to be the most talented player out there, but if you've got will and desire and work ethic, anything is possible. And that was Tom Brady. How good. What a career. Anyway, good show for you coming up. Yesterday we missed Jose Morgado out of Portugal. We're going to talk a bit more about that. The tennis. The tennis that was the Australian Open. Uh, Rafael Nadal taking the treats in the end. 21st Grand Slam. But the question is, what now for Novak? Djokovic, can he come back? Well, he can, but he's got the talent in the, the game to, to do that. But this whole vaccine mandate and his stand against it, will it affect him? And will we see any more rivalry? Will Rafael Nadal just keep soldiering on? Anyway, we'll look forward to Chenta Jose Mugado out of Portugal just after 7 o'clock. And then, well, all you punters stand up. How good is it? How good is it when you're halfway through the work week and there's a cracking meeting on today? At Tarapa. Few tips and connections coming your way this morning. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that meeting. We spoke about it before the show. Few connections. There's a big race. Race eight. The perfect pink up against Bears and Louis Seamus. Opie. There's only one Opie. But anyway, we've got Butch Castles, the CEO of Waikato Racing. He's going to join the show around 7.40 to talk about that meeting today. And, well, this may be the challenges he's facing at the moment. We've already had seen, and we're going to talk about it throughout the morning, a lot of cancellations of events, how tough it is to run these events. So we're going to have a chat to him about 7.40. And then at, just after 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to Razine Cricket Catch-Up this Wednesday as with Otago Volts coach and former New Zealand cricketer Craig Cumming. Although his young side fell short at the last hurdle, he'll be proud of their efforts. So looking forward to chatting to Sid just after 8 o'clock. And, well, got lots to go on, lots to chat about this morning. I just talked about it. New Zealand Golf Open cancelled. Guaranteed top three. The top three from that tournament with guaranteed spots at the Open, the British Open. Will that happen next year? We will see. It's hard to see. Super Rugby, what's going on there, and Tom Brady. So there's lots lots to chat about. Looking forward to tuning in for you to tune in and share your insights, share your comments throughout the morning. Give us a text, double eight double three, or give us a call on the Kennard's Higher phone line, 
0800-150-811 anytime this morning. I'm going to cross over to the handsome one and only. Hey to everyone in Auckland. Hope you're all good. But I'm going to say good day and good morning to my good mate, Brendan Bears Skip McCullough. How are you, brother? Good morning, Izzy. Good morning, everyone up in Auckland as well. Welcome, Kaz, to the team. And, uh, it's great to catch up with everyone again this morning. Uh, yeah, we've got some pretty cool guests on the show again, mate. Butch Castles, he'll give mm. us plenty of oil on the guineas. Oh, I love how you said Baz and Izzy, uh, Baz and Louis, Seamus, and you're on the perfect pink. Your loyalty <laughs> is just outstanding, Is Opie Boss in the perfect pink. Uh, going toe-to-toe with Seamus. <sighs> Alan Sharrick, Lethan is... Mm, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to $3. Oh, well, $2.35 versus $3. So, no, that'll be good. Um, Craig Cumming, or uh, for those who wonder why we call him Sid, Craig Cumming, Sid going. You see? Mm. You get it? You understand? So, hence Sid. So, that's why we call him Sid. So, he'll, uh, he loves chatting as well, Sid. So, we'll look forward to having him on the show a little bit later on. But, mate, some huge news, eh? Like, I don't really know where to start with you, bro, because we've got Tom Brady, which we'll, mm. we'll obviously go into, but something a little closer to home for us, the New Zealand Golf Open, just devastated, eh? And in that release from, from John Hart, you could just feel, yeah. you feel how disappointed and, and how much of a blow this is to, to the New Zealand Golf Open and to all those who have tried to pull it together, and we've both been involved in it, and we love the, love the tournament, and we're desperate to play in it again this year as well, but just the ramifications for this on the back of the COVID restrictions here in New Zealand and the MIQ situation here in New Zealand just meant that it was, mm. it was never going to happen. And we'll have to, we'll have to get Hardy on at some point, but how do you see that, man? Like, it's pretty, pretty gutting, eh? Oh, it's devastated, Bez. Absolutely devastated. Um, it's, it's one of the greatest weeks in the calendar, you know, just heading to Queenstown, Everyone loves Queenstown, and knowing you know they would have, they would have loved it, they would have needed it. Um, you know the tourism, the tourists that brings in the money. Uh, look, I'm probably being selfish because I played in it, and and I know what it's like, and and I absolutely love the event. But I just yeah, like I think for the for the golfers, like we've got so many many talented golfers in New Zealand, and the draw card was top three. If you get top three at the mm. New Zealand Open, you're guaranteed a spot at the British Open at a major. And that is life changing for many, many golfers. It's a tough sport, man. It's a tough sport. If you don't crack that top, you know, hundred or or players, it is a grind. You are constantly grinding to keep your card. You got to pay for your own thing. You got to travel expenses. You're away from your family, so it's a grind. So to lose that, and then I listened to Dean Murphy last night, who's the CEO of New Zealand Golf, saying that they haven't had any guarantees that'll be on offer next year. So this is their one chance and one opportunity. That they had these guaranteed spots, top three going the, to the British Open, and it's um, it's been taken away, Bears, and it and it's not only just the New Zealand golf. There's a lot of industries out there. The music industry struggling. Um, it's going to be we're talking about Super Rugby later on. The changes that potentially were going to go on there, like it is tough, tough times. But I just feel like this could have been avoided. You know, this mm. this whole shambles could have been avoided, and um. It's frustrating, mate, and I know there'll be a lot of frustrated people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of comments from John Hart. We've done everything within our power to make this event happen. However, with the current government restrictions in place, running an event that includes 250 players, 250 caddies, 500 volunteers, nearly 100 tournament staff and officials, plus numerous contractors, as well as, as, 
as well as course on-course spectators is just not possible. After announcing in December that New Zealand Open would proceed, including having, as you mentioned, is direct entry into the prestigious 150th Open Championship at St Andrews. The leading three players, we are devastated to have now come to this decision. So that's uh, huge ramifications, I think, for for sport are being felt right around the world, but particularly here in New Zealand where we are so isolated from the rest of the world. And golf and the profile of golf in our country at the moment is really good, I feel, with the likes of Lydia Ko mm. and, and Steve Elker even on the seniors. You've got Ryan Fox. You know, you've got all those, all those golfers doing fantastic things around the world and flying our flag, and then we can't host our feature event here in New mm. Zealand. And I don't know about you, but we're probably one of the least densely populated countries in the world when it comes to population versus land and golf's an outdoor sport. And I think there's incredible inflexibility around the COVID um, restrictions which have been put in place by our government. And I think it's, and this is, and it's having a, a huge effect on some of the very things which we hold dear to us as in, in our country. And that's, you know, being able to, get right in behind sport and uh, and to be able to hold events and, and bring tourists and and um, tourism to New Zealand. So absolutely gutted. I'm, I feel terribly sorry for the likes of John Hard and that who have put in a lot of work and, and now have had it ripped from under them. But it's not just that sport. Mm. Think of Super Rugby as well. That's big news too, mate. Uh, mm. that, that the whole competition is going to be played down there in Queenstown and maybe even in Invercargill. Is, I'm not sure yeah. That. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's, it's news, and I think that's just the, you know, that's just the way sport is at the moment with with so many changing, um, you know, decisions being changed in the last minute. Like for me, Sky TV, I'm, I work with Sky as well, and then do some commentary, so I've been sent three dates. You know, they've had to have a plan A, go in Australia. The whole Pacific uh, Super Rugby was plan A, then plan B was they can't get in, so we'll just go play Kiwi team. And then Plan C, now they've got to go to Invercargill, potentially go to Queenstown and play down there. So for, for big organisations that are broadcasting, the sponsorship, the things that go behind the bubbles, you know, like the money that's going to be um, to, to to home these teams down in Queenstown if they if they go down. Like, you just, it's, it's just a tough situation that these teams and organisations are facing. And Look, we're not a political uh, radio station, but I don't know if they're getting the help that that they're needing from from higher above. It's frustration, and, though, isn't it? It's not even political mm-hmm. stance. It's just genuine frustration. It doesn't matter which way, yeah, where you sit, left, right, left, centre, where, whatever you do, it doesn't matter where yeah. you sit. There's just a frustration at just the restrictions and the ramifications which have been imposed on us at the moment. And this is actually something is as well that Rob Nicholl, head of New Zealand Rugby mm-hmm. Players Association. He brought up with us last year is the the implications that these bubbles and the pressures of COVID are going to place on the players. If you look at next year, you've got international cricket teams coming to this country. At the moment, they are looking, thinking, I'm not going to spend seven days in isolation. New Zealand, what are you doing? We don't have to do that anywhere around the world Mm. at the moment. We've got Ireland coming here for three test matches. They're going to be shaking their heads, saying, well, we, we, we don't have time to do that. We can't do it. So... We might be looking at the States for that, um, to take those fixtures offshore. And we can't wait till March or February. Like these, these international sporting teams and organisations need certainty. And they need to be able to plan. Yeah. And then we have a, a Women's World Cup and a Cricket World Cup. All these tournaments are going to be in jeopardy. World Rugby won't go past, I'd imagine, the 1st of February 
without absolute certainty that they can hold this tournament here next year. If we can't play a trans-Tasman rugby competition, how do we hope to host a Women's World Cup? Like, we really do need to provide a lot more clarity, a lot more certainty, with a lot more we-can-do-this attitude. Oh, there you go. The words from Rob Nickel himself, the man, the Rugby Players Association boss, and he spoke about it. If we can't have any ta- ta- tournaments here or any competitions in our own country, then we're going to lose organisations and players and teams offshore. And we've already seen the start of that right now with the cancellation of the New Zealand Golf Open. You know, two years in running, two years in a row that they've lost it. It'll be surprising if they have their sponsorships staying on or sponsors that are still committed. I'm pretty sure they will, but like it's just getting tough, Baz, and you hear it from there from Rob and a lot of these players going away from their families. You already look at the All Blacks. They spent two, two and a half months, which is normal for cricketers, but you know, rugby players are different. Two and a half months away around the world, away from their family, loved ones, and uh, yeah, it's just... It's looking difficult. It's a difficult situation right now for, for these teams and organisations to carry on and, and do what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's, there's a lot of sympathy, no doubt. For, I mean, we're in a, a pandemic's been around now for a long time, but it's just you, you look around the globe, mate, you look around the world and you turn on the TV and you see these major sporting events going on at, mm. in other countries, which our, our athletes are participating in as well in some of those around the world. It's the same virus, but we can't, but we can't host it here. I just don't, mm. I don't understand. Mm. And I just, at some point, it's just the madness has to end. It really does. It's just incredibly frustrating. <laughs> I understand the ramifications, and there's so much duty of care there, but it's just out and out madness, and you know, it's just such major implications so, for sport and around. So the sport. whole reason, the whole reason this is happening is because we don't want our our health care to be overrun. When did this virus come on, come into our lives? What, two years ago? Yeah. Two, two and a half years? That's two and a half years of planning. And now we've got to this situation where we're having to put all these precautions in place so we don't overrun our health care. Like, I just, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't come to terms and grips with it, bears. But anyway... Is what it is. And this is probably the only start, mate. This is only the start. New Zealand Golf Open's gone. What are we going to see next? Super Rugby might be scrapped and gone, you know. There's, this there's is only the start. There's a Women's Cricket World Cup. There's a Women's Cricket mm. World Cup coming up. So all of the planning, yep. all of the um, infrastructure which has put, been put into place, keeping in mind that, that it has been stated by the government as well that, they're going, that that event can go ahead and it will go ahead and they'll get the support and there'll be spaces available, et cetera, for the teams. But they're just as likely to pull the rug from under them at the last moment. And then you lose all credibility with that organisation as well. Just like New Zealand Golf now will have lost a lot of credibility with international golf um, with with the withdrawal or with the inability to be able to host this event. So something's got to change. The madness has to end, my friend. We're not a political station. We never will, will attempt to be. But it has huge implications on what is important to us and what we are as a station, and that's sport and our sports people of mm. New Zealand. So, end it. Let's get on with it. Anyway, any, um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit of NFL and Tom Brady. I know we're going to get to a break soon. We'll pick it up a little bit later on. But huge news, mate, yeah. out of the States. Tom Brady, absolute goat. Seven-time Super Bowl winner in 22 mm. seasons on the grind, and he's pulled up stumps officially. You're, you're a big NFL fan. 
What do you, what do you make of these, this news? Speaking oh, of... look at... I'm gutted, mate. I'm gutted because he was... He's still got it. He's still got the game. You saw his game and and throughout the season, I think he's leading, uh, uh, leading the passing yards, TDs. So the stats are there to match it. But he spoke about it in his... Um, his, his press release, if if your heart's not in it and you're not feeling it and you don't have that competitive edge and drive to, to be the best every single moment of every single day, then it's time to step away. And I commend him on that. He's he's putting his team first, his family first. And I know there's, he's got a young family as well that he wants to spend a lot of time with them. Um, mate, what a career. And I, I think the biggest thing you get from Tom Brady and his career and, and what he's been able to achieve is if you look at back at the start, mate, he was drafted like 200, 200 and something. I think it was like 211th in, in the um, NFL draft. You know, he was a tall, skinny, lanky, not even athletic looking at all. Didn't have a pass, didn't have a running game. Or overlooked and people were just laughing. Who's this guy, Tom Brady, you know? So that just showcases to me that you don't have to be the most athletic, the most, uh, you know, athletic looking player in the world, but if you have the will and the drive and, and the work ethic and you have that belief, the belief is the biggest thing. If you have belief in your own ability, in your own game, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. You go out there and do it. And he, that is probably the biggest thing I get from Tom Brady is someone that people looked, like would brush, wouldn't even look, just take a second glance at him at the NFL draft. And he just took that on and said, no, nah, I know how good I am and I know how good I can be. And he believed in himself, and I think that's the biggest thing you'll get from Tom and, and the career. And seven, seven rings, bro. Seven rings, five-time MVP, leading careers, leading TDs. Nah, he'll go down as the greatest ever for me. So you there, Butcher? Yeah, I'm here now. I don't know what happened there, boys. Just uh, got disconnected. Oh, that's okay, mate. Hey, just a quick one, and I'm not sure if we're going to catch you on the hop here, but... Izzy just asked me about um, the, the longings rankings and Very Elegant versus Nature's Strip. And then I didn't know the answer, so I fobbed it on to Louis. Louis didn't know the answer, so he thought he's fobbed it on to you. Can you explain to us why the rankings are what they are? I suppose in different categories. Um, Nature's Strip, is, I think he was classed as the best turf sprinter in the world, wasn't he? Um, which which will be uh, to do with his win in the Everest and uh, very elegant. Uh, I think she came out on top as the best uh, turf race mare in the world. So uh, in different categories, they certainly uh, uh, have both uh, excelled at the very highest level and fantastic to have New Zealand interest in both of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew you'd know that, Butcher. <laughs> just, just go, just get, if you need anything racing, just go to Butch including working out who's going to win this afternoon. What an absolute stacked card you got, mate. It's a bit, bit unusual for yeah, Wednesday uh, too, right? Yeah, it is. Look, there's plenty of horses around at the moment. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, that the fact we shifted the Legacy Lodge Waikato Guineas into this day uh, to create a better pathway through to the Vodafone Derby certainly has helped with that race. It's the best uh, quality field that, that uh, the Guineas, the Waikato Guineas, has been for a long, long time. And, these horses are heading towards 17 days towards the Avondale Guineas and then another uh, two weeks to the Derby. It's just a perfect uh, way to get there and we've been rewarded with an outstanding field later this afternoon. Yeah, it's an outstanding field. Butch, hey, Izzy here, mate. Great to have you on the show. Is there a reason why it's a Wednesday meeting instead of a, a weekend meeting? Was there a, a stack calendar card already planned for the weekend so you couldn't fill it in there? 
Yeah, so the the, the, the um, racing calendar uh, suggests and dictates that this weekend uh, we don't race here, and and it's a pathway to find the best way. This race used to be run next Saturday, so the equivalent of the 12th was always a week before the Avondale Guineas. It made it very difficult for three-year-olds to back up in both, and they used to split up. But I would suggest safely through today the likes of Seamus, Dark Destroyer, Field of Gold, uh, RJ's Mm. Dream, The Perfect Pink. Some of the others will head towards the Avondale Guineas in a perfect preparation towards the Derby. So, look, it's not ideal for us. To be running it on a Wednesday afternoon from a wagering point of view, it's better placed on a Saturday. But sometimes you have to balance that with what's best for the industry. And clearly the best result for uh, the industry is to run this race on a Wednesday afternoon from, from the point of view of getting horses to their ultimate goal, the derby. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Let's talk about the industry, mate. Um, obviously some big news overnight with a lot of cancellations of some huge events uh, in New Zealand, golf open and, and things like that. For you, logistics-wise, and how are you coping with with the changes that has uh, occurred of, as of late with the red light, this, uh, red light, traffic light, whatever it is? Um, you know, how, how, is how have you the as red CEO? You've been there, see? Boy oh, that's out of why. See, hey, <laughs> so you jumped at that push. What are you gonna say? <laughs> You know what I mean. No, I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about, Israel. <laughs> the red traffic light. The red traffic light. How have you, the big wig, dealt with this? Oh, my gosh. Get me off I here. don't go anywhere near those red light districts. But anyway, red traffic light. Speaking of the perfect pink... <laughs> There's a few cruisy lasses there as well. <laughs> and I hope your nickname wasn't the Dark Destroyer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. It could have been Soldier Boy. Get it together. Get it together. Come on, but Give us some <laughs> sensibility. <laughs> Um, look, as far as you're right, I mean, this is uh, terrible for uh, so many sporting events, the Golf Open. As an industry, we're very lucky that we've been able to continue right through this uh, pandemic, other than the very first uh, few weeks of the original lockdown. But um, everyone's worked particularly hard to, to maintain uh, their biosecurity measures. Today, we are a closed-door meeting, so only participants. And look, that's balanced with the fact that under the close contact rules at the moment, uh, I think it's imperative that we try and uh, keep uh, industry participants as safe as we can. Look, we've seen so many flights. That's the one that worries me at the moment. So many flights that are becoming close contact uh, events. And, uh, you know, with people flying around the country, we've we just got to be so careful. And Look, I think, um, you know, groups of 100, Wellington did a great job from what I gather on Saturday. They had uh, pods of 100, and, and uh, that's the way that we'll, we'll go forward, uh, having pods of 100. But um, it's a really fine line and a balancing act to uh, to make sure that we as an industry can continue because so many people derive their livelihoods out of this, and it's just so uh, crucial that we can carry on. Oh, spot on, Butcher. Lovely, lovely recovery as well. Total professional. All right, well, we're not too far away from the news as well, mate, so we're going to just let you go shortly. But before we do that, who wins Who wins the guineas today? And then can you steer us into something else as well? 
It's a really tough race. The perfect pink I thought was outstanding last time. The form stacks up against La Creek, uh, who came out and won so well. But Seamus is just one of those horses that he's won four from four. He's unbeaten, and he just gives the impression he's going to keep getting better. So I thought it was uh, a really, really good race. I didn't quite know which way to go, but maybe just with the barrier draw, I'll go with Seamus. And I thought if we had to find another one uh, in race nine, the Ed Stapleton Bloodstock 1300, number 15, Bloom. She gives the impression that she's nearly ready to win. A uh, good run here last time. Drawn barrier two, should get a soft trip. And I thought she might be the best of the afternoon. Race nine, number 15, Bloom. Beautiful by the sire making all the moves to Varchi out there at Waikato Stud and by the Dam Rosehip as well. So Michael McNabb on Stephen Marsh train. Good barrier, $3.40 roughly. And then running a place in that race, I reckon Butcher is the orphan, hopefully, at big odds as well. But thank you, mate, for... Uh, well, that was absolutely hilarious. That was, that was wonderful. Cheers, Butch. to you, Butcher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have a great day out at Tarapa, mate, and uh, and thanks heaps for coming and joining us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. My pleasure, boys. Good to chat. It's time for another McCafe coffee catch-up for a Wednesday because as the memory of Ash Barty and Rafael Nadal's Australian Open... Masterclasses are still fresh in the minds. Questions only grow about the year ahead for tennis globally with more storylines and first serves to get, the he- to get their head around. To debrief the tournament and get the lay of the land of the tennis world for a massive year ahead, we're joined by leading tennis journalist and commentator all the way out of Portugal, Jose Mugado. Good day, Jose. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Hello, hello. I'll go with you. Yeah, we're very good, thank you. We're having a great morning, a fun morning. Thank you so much. I know you're such a busy man. You're a tough man to track down. Everyone wants a piece of Jose. But, mate, talk to us about Australian Open. What will it be remembered for? Yeah, for sure, for the for the, for the the Nadal title. I, I mean, the 21st Grand Slam, the new record, the new mm. men's single record, obviously. And, and especially the way it did. I, I mean, it, it, was, it was probably the one slam that we didn't expect Nadal to win, maybe for, for the first time in his career, because he, he wasn't really one of the favorites. He was injured for the second half of last year. He didn't prepare the tournament too well. He, he didn't look like in the, in the level enough to win the tournament, but then Rafael Nadal is still Rafael Nadal. He was getting better and better by the, by the tournament. And what happened in the final, it was really, really amazing. It was an incredible final and an incredible win. To, to achieve such, such an, an historic thing doing the 21st Grand Slam. Yeah, it was outstanding. It just showed grit and determination to come from two sets down to win the Australian Open title and 21 titles. Mate, the, well, the questions have been asked about Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer. Is, is that rivalry still alive and can it be reignited? Can we see Novak and, and what is he going to do? Can he st- Obviously his game's still there, but he's got to make a lot of changes off the court. Is it still alive? Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think the, the rivalry is still alive. I think that Novak obviously will, will still come back. He will set up all those issues and, and come back. And I think obviously Roger is trying to come back for at least for Wimbledon and to try to win Wimbledon one more time. At 40 years old, I believe, after, after having three, three knee, uh, knee surgeries, if he's still trying to come back, it's because he believes that he can still be competitive and obviously fight for, for titles. And after, after watching Nadal win at 35 years old and after not preparing 
that well the Australian Open. That was the, that was his worst slam before this year. I believe that Roger for Roger is a big motivation as well. And obviously Novak Djokovic made the, the, the all all the Grand Slam finals last year. He won three, lost one. He made the he made the Olympic semifinals as well. So he is always fighting for for the biggest title. So I believe that that this Grand Slam race isn't over. I believe that maybe Rafa can win one or two more, at, at least at Roland Garros. I believe that Federer can fight for a couple more as well. And Djokovic will be will still be one of the favorites for every Grand Slam because, like I said, he won three last year. He made a final, and he probably would be the, the favorite for this year's Australian Open if he had the chance to play. So it's going to be an exciting next couple of years for sure. Hey, Jose, it's, uh, it's Baz here, mate. This um, this obviously been the last 10, 15 years has been quite an incredible period of um, in, in tennis history with three of the all-time greats going toe-to-toe. And they're probably coming a little bit towards the end of some of that rivalry is. Interestingly enough, it was Nick Kyrgios who made a, a comment during the Australian Open where he, he felt that tennis authorities had invested so much in the big three that, that they were maybe at risk of of um, not having uh, as many stars coming through the ranks. Do you see that, or do you see this as as a period where they, they just had to invest in, in three of the all-time greats? Yeah, I, I think Nick got a point there, because obviously that that's the truth. But, but that's the truth, because when you, when you have three players that win a combined 61 slams, you, you can't do different than promoting those players because they are the face of, of your sport and your sport is living the best era ever. Obviously, you, you, you can start promoting uh, other players, players that, from a generation that really didn't win anything as, as uh, opposed to, to those three who, who pretty much won everything. It's, I, I believe you can try to do different things and the ATP uh, is trying to obviously promote the next gen, the since the Zverev generation and Tsitsipas and Medvedev, they created a tournament at, at the end of the year for the new for the new stars. Obviously, Nick Kyrgios is also one of the one of the most marketable players because of his style and what he represents in a different for a different kind of fans, or, or a different kind of fan base. But but it's it's tough to it's tough to 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 grow other players in terms of marketing in terms of names when you have three players that win pretty much everything. And I think that. That's, you, 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 can, you can see the things both ways. I think Kiri's got the point, but on the, other, on the other hand, it's very tough to do better for, for a generation that had, had a lot of problems to, to, to fight against those three guys that win everything. Just, just a quick one on Nick Kiri's then. You, you mentioned his name and how he's marketable. Is, is he liked in the tennis world? I think he is surely, uh, apart from the from the big three, is surely the player that that draws the the biggest crowds and the the, the more interest. I, I've been in, I've been in in a lot of tournaments all around the world, and every time that Nick Kyrgios play, even if it's doubles, even if it's singles, mixed doubles, the court is always always packed, and and you and you can tell that he's popular by by those kind of things and by obviously by the impact he creates on social media, by the impact he creates on the traditional media as well. Obviously, I, I, I'm not sure if he's liked uh, between his 
is peers between the other players because he obviously has a different style of 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 uh, living his career of acting on courts. I wouldn't like to face him even if he, even when he, when he's playing bad. He's very is a very tough guy to, to face because he. he he pretty much transforms every match in a kind of a circus, in a show, in a one-man show, and it's tough to face him. But for a tennis commentator like me, for a tennis journalist like me, and, and, and as a fan, I think that, that obviously tennis would, would do well with more players like Nick Kyrgios, but if I was a player, if I was a rival, I wouldn't like to face him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he shows some gut and determination, does Nick Kyrgios. Thank you so much for those kind words. Just quickly before I let you go, Novak, um, he's obviously the news coming out of France that they're going to mandate the vaccine. Where do you potentially see Novak coming back and getting back on the on the court? Yeah, it, it, it's tough to say because we don't know if the rules will change. For example, mm. in, in France, they are implementing the, 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 the mandatory vaccine at the moment for, for, uh, for entry in, in France, but I think Till May, till June, the things can change. At the moment in mm. Portugal and in France, we are taking the third doses. Maybe in, in May or in June, we have to take the fourth doses. Maybe they, they, will, they will open some ex- exemptions for, for professional, professional tennis players or for, 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 for professional sports. We don't know. At the moment, I believe that we'll, you'll be in trouble to, to play without being vaccinated. But the things can change. The pandemic is changing every day, so I believe that that we he will end up coming back because I don't think mm. that he can afford to 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 live in other countries. What just happened in Australia? I think it's very it's terrible for him. It's terrible for the for for the image of tennis. And I think if he if he if he has to take the vaccine to to keep his career alive, I think that he will eventually take it. To be honest. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Jose Morgado out of Portugal. We appreciate all your insights and all your knowledge on the great game that is tennis. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, thank you, guys. Have a great day. Yeah, let's talk a little bit of cricket and a big thanks to Razine. Over the weekend, our domestic T20 competitions came to a halt with both the Brave and the Blaze taking out the respective titles. Blaze did have to go through, though, a very impressive Otago Sparks team. It was coached by a friend of the show, a friend of all of us, Craig Sid Cumming, who over the last few years, he's had a front row seat to the development of some of the fine women's players and, and also the growth of the game. He's on the line now. He joins us on the show. Good morning, Sid. Morning, guys. How are we? Excellent. Thanks for joining us, mate. You've uh, you've obviously had a, a successful uh, Super Smash campaign for the Sparks girls, albeit not quite getting across the line. Yeah, we did. We had a, yeah, really, really successful guys. It was, um, you know, I, I took over this team and started coaching last year, and and we all learned a huge amount of lessons. And then um, we were able to, you know, have a really good preseason. I think I've spoken to you guys before. And then um, you know, we yeah, we played some some really good cricket in the Super Smash, but. Unfortunately for us, on, on Saturday, we come up against uh, the Wellington Bays, who had Sophie Devine, who, you know, just took the game away from us. But uh, when we sat back pretty quickly after the game, Bears, and with some good Otago um, people, um, they were pretty quickly into uh, celebrating the season as they as they should be. And, um, you know, we're really proud of the development that we've had this year. Um, we've been pretty lucky to have um, Susie Bates leading the side. But 
for me, from a coaching point of view, they've done an amazing job at getting better in all the areas that we've sort of identified. And um, we weren't quite good enough on Saturday, but that also doesn't, you know, the scoreboard and sometimes doesn't always define success. And we're pretty happy with where we're at. Yeah, well, just talk to us a little bit about some of those areas that you did that you have defined as, as areas that that you were uh, successful in. And the women's game's obviously slightly different to the men's game. How, how have you seen that develop, the women's game, over the last year or so? Yeah, it's a real challenge because, um, especially domestically, we, we, we have obviously some white ferns who are professional athletes, but, but all our girls are still just, you know, they're not even semi-professional. So um, a lot of the areas you probably, you see the reflection or you see the, the end result on the field, but it's a lot around the way they train Baz and Izzy. It's the way they, they prepare uh, for the game. It's their attitude towards the game and um, the work that they put in before they actually get onto the field. And we've spent a lot of time um, doing that. They're, they're a lot smarter. Uh, they're becoming more aware of what they're trying to do. And then it just becomes a cycle. So that means they train better. They train with more. Mm. Or they're far more specific in their training. And um, then, then when they go out and play, I mean, I think in the women's game, and especially the Otago side, and, and I think it's something you used to talk about, Baz, is that they nearly feared playing. Uh, the game of cricket was nearly too scary for them. Um, but now... Um, they're actually looking forward to playing and they actually are confident enough to go out and try and, and try and execute and, and not fearing getting out or fearing getting hit for four and, and worried about consequences. They're actually going out there to try and achieve something and, and that comes down to their preparation. So it's the whole thing. We started, you know, we're trying to get the game better in all the different areas, but to me, they're the, they're the things. And now we're actually starting to have real conversations around how do we become a better cricket side when it comes to actually playing the game of cricket, which will take a couple more years, but um, we'll see that evolution in the next couple of years because they're more committed, they're, they're training harder, they're training smarter, and, and it's just that, that cycle that keeps going. Sid, thanks for joining us, mate. It's Izzy here. Happy, happy New Year, mate, and hopefully we can catch up soon. Hey, quickly, what about the depth of, of women's cricket in New Zealand? How have you found this competition, has it helped um, the next generation get you know, the, the urge and, and the will to actually make it at the top level and, and the depth, particularly within Otago region or around New Zealand, you, you think the depth, the depth's quite healthy? Oh, we're getting there, Izzy. Uh, we're getting there. I think um, we're, we're at a stage where you know, we're starting to get a little bit of the players come through that have had some good coaching. But we've still got a lot of young girls playing. Like, um, mm. you know, this weekend we've got another game. I'm, I'm asking 17 and 18-year-olds to come in because our white ferns might not be available. So we're getting there. Um, we're, not quite, we're not quite there. But like anything, you've got you've to invest in the base and then all of a sudden yep. the, the cream will get a bit higher. So, so we're getting there. But um, I think, um, you know, there's that conversation around paying people and, and being professional athletes. So I think it's really important that we've got to invest in the structures first and, and in the coaching first um, and actually give um, the next wave of players better coaching and more time being coached. And then, then that depth will certainly go there. But the good thing is we've got numbers. Um, we've got young girls who are going to under-19 tournaments who now think cricket's an opportunity for them to be a pathway and, and be a professional cricketer in the future. And, and once you get that mindset... Um, we'll, we'll develop the skill sets and what's needed. So we're getting, I wouldn't say the depth's um, high at the moment, but uh, it's certainly something mm. that's getting better. So you awesome. mentioned um, Susie Bates before and, and also uh, Sophie Devine, and, and we've got another a whole raft of top-end um, international players. But there's a w- Women's World Cup on the horizon and the, on the back of the Super Smash um, campaign. Do you feel that 
this New Zealand side, the, the White Ferns are in a position to be able to ride the ship because their performances in the last few years have been pretty average for a team um, that was used to be considered one of the best in the world. Do you, do you think they're ready to, to stand up on, on the big stage and, and perform in this World Cup, which is coming? Um, I've got to be careful. Yes and no. I think, um, as you know, Baz, and, I, and I, I've spoken to Susie and Katie Martin and Hayley Jensen a lot about this, is that it's how they approach this next six weeks coming up. And I think they're really keen to try and grab the mantra that you used with your team when you were here in the World Cup because you're playing at home. There's a lot of pressure, but you need to go, you need to feel that pressure or you turn it around. And I think you, you use the words, Baz, where it's the, it's the greatest time of your life. And if you can embrace that and, and go in with that positive mentality and actually... Um, go out there with a bit of freedom and play and execute and just enjoy the experience. And you're going to get the best out of yourself. And it's not easy to do. You know full well, um, and Izzy as well, when it comes to playing a, a World Cup in, in your own country, there's a lot of external stuff that will be there. But if they're able to flip that and get rid of the fear of failure or the fear of not performing and actually go in and go, right, we've actually got to, we've got to embrace this and we've got, to, we've got to take it on, I think they've got a chance. The other side of it is... They're actually not the best team in the world. They're actually not in the best three teams in the world at the moment. But to me, that's actually a real opportunity. They can actually throw everything out and go, well, actually, we've got nothing to lose here. You know, Australia expect to beat us. England expect to beat us. India expect to beat us. And probably South Africa do. And maybe even, um, you know, Pakistan. So let's throw it all out and actually play with some real freedom because those teams are going to feel the pressure if we put them under pressure because they actually want to beat us. So... They need to get those two things right. Um, they need to get Sophie performing, Susie performing. Um, their challenge is going to be scoring runs and scoring enough runs. And, and to do that, and as you know as well as anyone, you've got to have freedom and actually not worry about consequence when you go out to bat. And um, just throw everything out and actually play with real positivity. If they can do those things and get them together, um, they've got an opportunity to, to surprise the other teams, but also um, probably surprise themselves. Do we see any bolters? Do we see any bolters? I love when you, you throw a young person in there, no expectations, <laughs> no pressure. They bring something different. Do we see any bolters? Oh, you mean in, in the white fence side, is it? Or? Yeah, 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 in the white fence, come World Cup. Um, I don't think bolters because I think when you look at the side, um, you know, they're, they're all, the, the players that are going to perform, we probably know about. You've got Mealy Kerr, you've got yeah. Sophie Devine, we've got Susie Bates. So, they actually need those players to stand up. I mean, Amy Satterwhite's probably the one in the last two years who does stand up at international level. So it's not so much about bolters. Uh, they're going to have to get more out of some of those players than they've ever got out of them before. Um, so, you know, when it comes to a batting side of things, you've probably got Lauren Down, you've got Maddie Green. You've got to get them performing better than they have in the past. So um, they need to... Again, I, I talk about, and I think this New Zealand side, um, it's that money ball theory. Um, we, mm. We're the sum of all parts. We need all 15 players uh, to be contributing, and when we're playing on the on the day, the 11 players. So we don't necessarily need to have someone scoring 100 every game. We've just got to get to 300. Now, 10 scores of 30 will get you there um, from a batting point of view. Yes, you love to get someone in and get a big score, but to me, it's very much that money ball theory. It's the sum of all parts. Let's become the best team in this competition. We don't need to have the best player. We just need to be the best team. The bowling attack looks strong, in my opinion, so that they've got that base covered. But from a batting order, yeah, money ball, let's all get in, let's do our part, and let's make sure we are the best team here and we've got a chance. 
Awesome. Ah, you're a good man. Sid, great <laughs> coming. Thanks heaps for joining us, mate, on uh, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We're going to have to get off to the news, but we really appreciate it, mate, and all the be- very Cheers, best. Craig. And well done on your season as well, mate. Thanks, boys. Look forward to catching that up. Was, yeah, that was our cricket update for Azeen. Colour shops, your paint, stain, colour, and decorating expert.